We are and killing it. You got a killer haircut, so it won't won't brush the mic. Killing it. Was that a previous yeah. problem? <laughs> no, not really, but. Let's do a podcast. Uh, welcome back to another engineering podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And uh, we, <laughs> I, like, I don't know if it'll show up in the broadcast order because these don't always come out exactly when we do them, but it's been a bit, like a month and a half or something since we've actually yeah. recorded one, right? Yeah, five or six weeks, I think. That's, we might be a little rusty. <laughs> I feel, I feel pretty rusty. <laughs> Is this, but, uh, you know, it's summer, so stuff gets in the way. We've been doing things. Big we've stuff. been doing a lot of things. A lot of things have happened. Damn you right. got engaged. Woo! Sure Congratulations. Did. Thanks, buddy. Uh, so when's the date? <laughs> oh, man. Great segue. So you're... You, you mentioned it. To, I don't. I don't. We were talking about the engagement in conversation at some point, and you said, "You know, you're like the first person to not have responded to the engagement by asking me when the date is." And I yeah. said, "Yeah, people do that. Why do they do that? Because like starting two days after you saying, hey, we got engaged yesterday,' people start asking you when the date is.' Anyone that's ever planned an event knows there's no possible way you've already moved <laughs> through that decision." There's a lot of questions. Hours of, I mean, unless you started planning based, like, I don't know that I went into asking my wife to marry me 100% confident she would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you were making that assumption, you could proceed with this kind of planning <laughs> in time to have the answer the day after. But two days is a rush. People get <laughs> so excited when they hear the news. And it's interesting because it's something I notice this all the time because I think this is very similar to the response I get from people because I'm such a giant tall monster. I'm like eight feet tall. So it's really easy for everyone I meet to ask me how tall I am and then talk to me about basketball. And so it's the same. I think it's the same situation. Everyone's like, ah, I'm so overwhelmed. My brain's going to go to like the simplest possible thing I can engage in conversation with is ah, when's the date? Like, yeah, oh, I think Mike, well, to the basketball thing, I think Mike brought this up when we were talking about sports, but I can't remember if it made editing or not. He said he was with you once when you decided like you were going to stop explaining to people why you didn't play basketball. <laughs> and you just said, uh, the guy said, where'd you play ball? And you just said, Vanderbilt. <laughs> and he was going right on. And he's like, after that, you looked at me and you went, that's the easiest I've ever gotten through that interaction. You should just <laughs> lie more often. So I should just tell people a date then. And then you were like, well, I wasn't really lying. I played like one game of rec ball and hurt my knee and then never played again. <laughs> I got kicked in the face by our star basketball player when he dunked over me within like two minutes of showing oh, that's up. even better. First day of school. Uh, but no, where you were going with that was the idea of like conversational stuff, like, like default things that come up to fill a moment of silence in a conversation or like it, it's – an easy answer to you saying I got engaged is to keep the conversation moving forward is, oh, when's the date? 
why, why do we need those? Why, do, why, why is that such a common thing that like we both experienced it with everyone around us following our engagement? It's interesting too, because usually you think of those things as like the responses can, because we say things like, how's it going? Going great. How are you? And like, you'll get those awkward situations where you'll say like, uh, someone will say like, you'll be passing someone at a movie theater and they'll say, enjoy the movie. And you'll say you too, but they were on their way out. And like these dumb things where your brain right. just says something that's meaningless, <laughs> but it, isn't necessarily just that it seems like it's it's just it's situational where all of a sudden there is a you want to engage with somebody and your brain just goes to this really simple place and it's partly because we let it go there we just go on this like chatty autopilot which is something that is missing in a certain part of the population and i think speaks to why some people have so much social anxiety I was deliberately not talking there because the point I want to make is silence is uncomfortable, but why? Like, is that, is that what you're saying? Like, so silence is uncomfortable. I mean, we silence is definitely like uncomfortable, right? I don't know if that's the second. point that follows, but that's what that made me think of. It's maybe that's where we should go right now. Cause that like, is kind of the point of this, right? I got engaged. I don't know what to say. I'm overwhelmed. Let's pause. Right. <laughs> Good for you or congratulations or I don't, like, I don't, I think there's a whole separate episode in just talking about conventions of marriage and all this kind of stuff. Um, but to take it back to the conversational piece that I think is something we can bang out pretty quickly. I think, I think you just, you ask, ask, ask questions, but I feel like all the good questions that are a good response to that are harder questions, either because you don't want to start off a story because you don't want to stand there while they tell a long story, especially if you don't know them well. And you don't, and, and or possibly uncomfortable because they have to do with emotions. Like people don't like to talk about their emotions. And so if you say, how you feeling? <laughs> I mean, most likely they're just going to go great. But like, you're down this weird road now of talking about how a great. life event makes you feel. And we're... Should we not just be responding with great when people ask that question? Sometimes I don't, and I actually almost always, if I don't feel great and I admit that to someone, I almost always have an interesting conversation. For some uh, reason, I, I feel like I go with great because I'm playing yes and, and I'm trying to move the conversation forward. <laughs> but there are absolutely people where I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm, a bad I'm choice. <laughs> part of my brain is saying, just say great so you can move on and not have to be in a conversation. Right. So I think part of the problem that well, introverted people have is a discomfort with bullshit conversation. And if you're going to go out in public and you're going to exist among people, most of the conversations you have are hollow. And like you just said, you just want to get through it so you can have been polite and then go back to thinking about whatever you were thinking about in silence. And we're perfectly happy doing that. Yeah. On some level, uh, that's uh, our own fault when we get stuck in that situation, you know? That's why I go with just ask questions. Um, yeah. And you know who I learned that from? Powell. Powell. That's what Powell does. Powell, Powell I've, I watched him in so many interactions with people he would walk up to cold at like trade shows. And he just, if it ever slows down for a second, he asks questions. Yeah, that dude's been to a lot of trade shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, he was pivotal in my limited capability in social interaction. Bro, just find out what they're interested in, and then they'll talk. 
That's the right. key. If you don't exactly. want to talk, just you got to figure out what their hobby is. You don't want to talk. Often so you don't the question just, can be: You don't want to just what's your hobby? Stop talking and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have can, to get them to talk. <laughs> dude, what's your what's the thing you're most interested in life? And then you can kind of just sit back and chill, and the conversation right. happens. Right. But that's a weird question to ask people. We should just, teach kids that. A part of that though is interesting because it's like it's a it's it, then you have to learn to listen. Because if you're going to have another, if you want to do the best at having the next question to keep them talking, you have to listen to what they're saying and you have to pull the question out of that. You can't just be Larry King with like a list of questions and then he's the worst. I can't believe he's so successful because he just, and maybe I just caught him in his latter years when he doesn't give a fuck, but like somebody will be talking about something and there'll be like a a reasonable next question, like a thing that that thing brought up. I'm like, oh man, now I want to know this. And he just powers ahead with whatever's on his card, Question even six. if it's unrelated. Question six, completely unrelated to the previous question. And I'm there going, oh, if he was good at this, he would have asked the obvious next question. How is this your job? Now's your <laughs> chance to show him how it's done, Kurt. We got I this. try. I ask you questions. We got this. Didn't I say at the top, how you feeling? How'd it go down? What I asked something like that. Yeah, you totally asked some questions. It was great. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so I guess that's our, that's our, uh, we got to cut it off and go to the next topic. The timer, yeah, yeah. the timer is dinged. What's our timer but, at? But we conversation, man, for fucking ever. don't hate on marriage. And I don't know, where'd we end up on that? Uh, I don't, don't know, whatever. Hate on marriage if you want, but just keep asking questions. <laughs> that's how you mow through an awkward conversation. <laughs> But I guess that doesn't even get us to the point of like ask ask better questions than when's the date. Why does the date matter? That's the thing. Like, why does it even like if I say <laughs> May or I say fall, like I, it, you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask that question, you're uninvited. Uh, you care too much about attending this, therefore you're not invited. You're over enthusiastic. I'm putting uh, you on the maybe list. Next thing we got for today says Star Wars API. Ooh, what's that? You sent me, you sent me the link. <laughs> yeah, but you said you looked at it. <laughs> I just did a blind link pass to you. URL. You saw the headline and went, oh. Yeah, I was like, purple dig I, this. It's got Star Wars in it. I do that pretty often. Um, yeah, so from my minimal reading of the documentation, it's an API by which you can access, basically, you can you can programmatically call up any nerd detail from the annals of star wars lore everything from ship specs to character names character backgrounds character whatever like they it's basically just an api for you to be able to do any silly thing probably make a game that you could dream up while just using api calls instead of an api you, why? Why are you asking me that? I'm a philosopher. Because I'm I'm hosting right now. We switched roles. Didn't you? Didn't you get the text? Um, well, you're gonna have to tell tell you're gonna have to tell the people what an API is since you're the software engineer. All right, I'll do it. So I could I muddle mean, through it, but that would be a waste of time. Well, it's a really interesting thing because it's really simple, <laughs> but um, they're they're they drive modern most of the stuff you interact with. I mean, it's. It's a way to, it's a, it's a, basically you make a little programming language 
around information that you want to make available or around functions with software that you want to make available. And so then I have this documentation that says, hey, I want to know a Star Wars character's name. Type this in to send this over to this little Use software this package. this line of code, and I'll return that, that, yeah. that character's name. So it's, it's a way to, to standardize uh, how to pull up information, basically. And so when somebody says, like, when Twitter says they have a public API, that means if you get an access code from them, so they know who you are anytime you make a data call, you can pull up basically any information in Twitter. The message, who put it up, when they put it up, how people responded to it, all that stuff is all just like in a big ass list in the documentation that says, if you want this piece of information, use this variable. If you want this piece of information, use this variable. And it makes it so you can have your computer hit Google and get back results within your program and not have to write a whole separate thing to fake it through the front end, which you can do like crawlers do, which we talked about in the search engine episode. It's a, it's an, it's a neat little, I mean, APIs aren't a new concept, but in, in the sense of sort of the modern internet where you have all these websites with all this information that people want, like take Yelp, for instance, they have business listings. Um, I think they have an API, but anyway, all these apps people have on their phones, they basically tie in with these APIs from other companies and they're able to pull up information and share it and search it and, it's cool. It's a really neat thing that's emerging. And um, so if you want a, a deeper dive on this, dig into our second episode or third episode. I don't know. One of our first five, we talked about really deep the specifics of how search engines work. So we talked in that uh, episode about how search engines break stuff down, right? And you you walked through the idea, the process of indexing, which is when a crawler goes through all the content on the site and reorganizes it so it's better for Google's purposes. The idea of an API is there's all this cool information getting spit out of Twitter, but it's currently plugged into the form that they wanted to use it. With the API, lets you use it in whatever form you want. It's just an access protocol for this vast quantity of information. So the Star Wars API is they've taken all of these details, like everything you would cram into a vast encyclopedia of Star Wars, and they've made it so that you can use a program to pull up those informations based on the variables that your program is going to want to use anyway, instead of having to write a whole new thing. And so uh, what can be done with it is less interesting to me than the idea of doing that to data. Because what you're doing when you do that with Star Wars, which everything that exists for Star Wars has come up in a narrative context or someone's made up and put into a, a manual that's a fake manual for this universe. But you took this thing that by its nature has to be delivered in a, d- delivered in a linear fashion because you're telling a story. Here's this detail. Who's her, here's who this person is. Here's what they did. Here's what they, you know, the ship they were in, blah, blah, blah. Like we've taken this universe that is all contained in words and pictures because of the medium that the stories have been delivered through. And we built an, a means to access that data out of order to repurpose it for other things. We took the narrative and we went, we need this out. We need all of this data you got in here. We need it outside of this obnoxious narrative structure. (laughs) I'll give the examples off of the main page of the website. The little code samples. One of them says for planet in swappy, get all planets order by diameter. 
roughly I read the code, pseudocode. Okay, so, so, so you can use this like, to build a star map of that planet system that you could potentially navigate in a video <laughs> game or something, right? Totally. But you can do it by calling this thing that promises, like, so the essential conceit of this API is we're going to give you accurate to canon or whatever information for whatever you want to do with it. So if you want a layout of the Dagobah system, you just ping their API with two things of code, and it's going to hit you back with a shit ton of data that you can repurpose into how these modeled planets should be laid out. So you don't have to do that research yourself in order to make a game in which you hop planet to planet in the Dagobah system. I'm assuming that there's more than one planet, right? They call it a system. Uh, according to the main, the main documentation, there are currently 61 planets in the Star Wars API, which doesn't seem like that many planets. I think no. there would be more planets in the Star Wars realm. At least like eight lacking. of them blew up at the end of the Force Seven Awakens. Films. Did I just spoil that? I'm sorry. 87. Yeah, that was so absurd. Come on. 87 people. We could probably... Do you think we could spit off 87 characters in Star Wars right now if we tried? Oh, man. Should we try? Would people listen? <laughs> we can always cut it out if we can't. Um... <laughs> 85, 86. 87. Well, 88, if we wanted to be better than the Star Wars API. Do you think we are? I think it would be a fun exercise, but I don't think we could do Chewie, that. Chewie, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Darth Vader, Darth Maul, Luke. C-3PO, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, C-3PO. Uh, that little droid that gets his feet burned. There's yeah. the other the other droid that's red that's standing next to C three PO. Neither of those There's count. Like six Jawas. <laughs> There's uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan, we're up to nine. <laughs> um, Darth Sidious. There's, sure, all the new characters uh, make me Mon, cringe when I say Mon their names. Mothma or whatever. Mon Mothma. Uh, Guards. Squid face, it's a trap. What was he? Uh, squid face, yeah. Oh, yeah, catfish face, yeah. catfish face. Um, sorry, you're right, catfish face. Uh, I'd say we're up to like 12 and a half. <laughs> the well, Emperor, Emperor Palpatine, yeah, we left him out. Uh, Boba Fett, Jabba the Hut. Oh, strong, Salacious Crumb. Who's that? The little, like, ooh, that sounds... <laughs> guy oh, that he sits, like sits next to him and picks out Harry C3PO's Potter, eye. Here. That little bitch. Um, there's the Rancor. Does that count? Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, the Rancor trainer dude has a name. I can't remember his name. Wasn't wasn't there a Ewok named Wicket? Yeah, and they made a spinoff about him. Yeah. But he might have only been in the spinoff. <laughs> there was like a, a Ewok movie. That was a scary movie. I haven't thought of that movie in a long Lando. time. Lando. Do you know what that Lando's a the jerk? Dude with the record with the headphones on and Lando's place has a name he doesn't count he didn't do anything <laughs> he's definitely not in the star wars he led API. darth vader to them he did that guy's a dick you ever read tales from jabba's palace it was a collection of short stories that all used as prompt minor characters in that no, scene that seems it was, fun it was fun but no so the idea of of reordering information for that purpose right like this idea that we're we're so into data as being important but then the idea of an API is to unencumber it, un unencumber it from whatever context was implied by the way that it was collected or, or initially delivered, right? So 
the API, a Star Wars API is basically indexing any information they think you might want to use for, I don't know what. Yeah. And saying, here, it's you can use it in whatever order you want. Let you pull it up and do fun stuff with it. Here's how you pull it up. It's weird because it, cause it ends up being this like, if they were to write, like if they were to make decisions about the gravity on any given planet based on its size and put it in that API, they're building like this is how we know the fact that we're already doing this just because we think it's cool is how <laughs> we know that we're living in a simulation mm-hmm. they're building the parameters like the laws of nature for this simulation universe like if they decide if they know the mass of all of those planets then we know what the gravitational acceleration force would be based on that mass and the composition of those planets like that's literally an api that contains the laws of gravity for that planet if you want to do whatever on that planet right i saw a really interesting article when you drop a ball interview. and it falls it's just an api call <laughs> totally <laughs> it's just an api call on some really really good iphone like iphone 24 <laughs> i saw an interview with elon musk the other day uh where an audience member kept asking him about living in a simulation and his answer was, it seems very likely that we're living in a simulation. And he said the audience he member the chance is one in billions <laughs> that we're not living in a simulation. And then the dude interviewing him kept pressing it. He kept going, That's not a, an answer, yes or no. You gotta give me an answer. And he and wouldn't finally, back down from just saying that. It was interesting because it's totally an answer to say, no, it's pretty likely, <laughs> but I can't say that we are for sure. Yeah. He definitely answered it kind of awkward, but his well, reasoning, he, do you want to go through his reasoning? Well, I think he eventually told the guy to shut up. Basically. He was well, like, first quit he trying said, to get a soundbite for me. My well, answer right, is but this is where likely. I think it was Walt Mossberg kept chasing it. And he said, well, explain your reasoning. And he said, 40 years ago we had Pong and now we have, competent enough that people are excited legitimately virtual reality if you follow that curve for a thousand years either an extinction event happens or we're at least able to create simulations like that mm-hmm. now there's a third option which is we find simulations like that boring so we just don't do it but his reasoning kind of holds up i mean we seem to want to this goes back to our like fo- photography episode we we're talking about why do you take pictures because you're preserving a little chunk of reality yeah. like we seem to have an obsession with preserving and reproducing reality it, it makes sense that someone out there it's wants to create issue. a simulation we want to control our reality so we pump our information into all these apis and then we and have now we're back control. to that funny we're back to that <laughs> funny place though where it's like if you chase that far enough you start to get to philosophical conversations. Like, does, like, when people say, well, why did God create evil if he's supposed to be all knowing and all good? It's a good question. Well, then their answer is usually, well, you can't have good without bad. And so, what if we try a simulation where everything's good all the time and it's really boring? So then maybe we I'll would go and in, inject some evil. But that ends up, would, when you, and then when you say, well, would you do that? Now you're having a philosophical conversation. No, bro, you just keep injecting more good. 
You make then the apples you, that much more delicious. But how do you know if it's good? <laughs> this is gluttonous behavior is what it is. More because flavors. The apple, the apple I gave you yesterday <laughs> is not as delicious. It's very obvious. You make the snake smaller and the apples bigger and more golden and more delicious. Uh, well, so we could either, do you want to talk about the third thing or cut it off? We could save it for the next one, but then we can tease the next one, I guess. Let's tease. Let's, people because like to be teased. What we I were just talking it. about, the, the, the way that we already seem to be chasing the idea of creating a simulation ties back to our general thread about this interconnectivity and sort of the idea of technology. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the Olympics recently because certain demographics, millennials particularly, didn't really watch the Olympics so much. And a lot of people are publishing stuff about, you know, why that is and mostly blaming millennials for not being interested in the Olympics when the real answer is if you didn't have broadcast television, it was really hard to watch the Olympics. Are we talking about this or not talking about this? No, no. Just in the next one, we can get into <laughs> whose fault that really is. In the next, in the next episode, in the next join episode. us as we discuss NBC's <laughs> broadcast policies, broadcast strategies, summer Olympics, <laughs> content delivery strategies, and millennials' refusal to participate in the system that helped create them. But isn't that just how every generation behaves? Join us next time. Join us. <laughs> okay, Thanks for let's get out of here. I'm Adam. Thanks for hanging out. My name's Brian. Thanks for hanging out for another one. I didn't deliver any of the social anything, but who cares? Go back where you found us again. It's been really good. Tell some friends. Talk. We uh we've We're everywhere. We, at this you point the buffer us. probably won't run out for another couple months, but I've given up posting interesting things on the social media. If you want to talk to us, talk to us. We'll talk back, but otherwise, eh. Yeah. Work. Just give us a shout. Come here if you wanted the interesting things. Mm. That's what we're here for. <laughs> okay. Have a good one. See you next week. Wonderful.